Welcome to Spark, Careers in Agribusiness, where we meet the most accomplished leaders in agribusiness today. Learn how each of the women and men featured has built leadership into their life's work and what advice they have for young people just beginning their careers. Your host for Spark is Sarah Stever, president at Paulson. Today, I'm on the campus of South Dakota State University with Carla Troutman. Carla was recently appointed interim director of SDSU Extension, but her history at SDSU also includes her bachelor's degree in home economics extension and her master's in educational administration, and of course, her most recent role as SDSU Extension's associate director. Carla's deep experience with Extension made her the perfect person for the role as interim director, but there's a lot more to her career. Carla, can you begin with how your early life prepared you for where you are today? I remember just enjoying the the outdoors that you experienced growing up on the farm. Our farm was kind of on the top of a hill that overlooked a river that kind of ran, that runs through Jackson, the Des Moines River that runs through Jackson. And I can remember standing on top of the hill just south of our farmhouse and I could look out over pasture and grain fields and we we grew a lot of oats and soybeans and corn. You know, in the pasture there were cows and sheep. I just remember enjoying being out in the environment and enjoying Mother Nature, as you will, and having a real pa- a passion for that type of environment in which to grow up. It was hard work, did a lot of chores in my time, but I just, I really enjoyed it. And so I think going into uh, career selection as I grew up, just, I didn't give it a lot of thought. It wasn't purposeful, I think, like I have, so, I have seen my children pursue um, or that I've seen other young adults pursue as they get to that point in their life, you know, kind of a purposeful um, decision-making about what they were going to do. I just think I always knew that somewhere along the line I would be involved in some type of agriculture, though I didn't necessarily have a desire to pr- pursue production necessarily. But I just knew it had my career had to have some kind of direct connection back to how I grew up. So how did you go about determining what aspect of agriculture you'd end up in? Well, I can, my earliest memories, I can remember always wanting to be involved with extension. And I, it kind of goes back, I think, to my 4-H experiences as a child, watching, at that time, my extension agent in action. Uh, she was uh, an older individual at that time, very experienced. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I just knew that there were some things about her job that I really liked, that I thought I would enjoy doing myself especially the ability to work with other people and to have a career that was really never quite predictable. That really appealed to me. It started really with a desire to go into home economics. And as I looked at that profession, having a link in extension back to ag, but in a little bit of a different way, uh, working with farm families more so than production ag, I just knew that I loved the idea of having that ability to work with people, to help them problem solve, to have a career in which there would be no day that would ever be the same. And all I knew was that as much as I loved teaching, I didn't want to do it in a traditional classroom environment. So in other words, teaching home home economics in a high school setting wasn't going to be for me. And I'm not sure that I remember why I decided that was so significant, but it was a very significant kind of aha moment for me. So when it came time to pursue 
post-secondary education. It was just like, well, how am I going to be able to accomplish this because I don't want to necessarily be a classroom teacher. And so that ability to come to South Dakota State, and at that time they still had a home economics extension degree. It was a no-brainer. And I was probably one of two people in the whole major because it was on its way out the door, but it was it was a significant aha moment for me. And that ability to come into the extension environment, for me, guaranteed that I'd still be aligned with agriculture, but I was going to pursue it more from a family perspective than I was production. So was that the end of your education at that point? Did you pursue it beyond that, that first degree that you got? I have a master's degree. I think, again, the decision about where I pursued my master's and what I pursued it in again, was a reinforcement for myself, knowing that I was exposing myself to components that would allow me to continue to push myself within a career that I loved. Um, and that, of course, has been the whole mission of the Land-Grant University and the mission of Extension. And that, of course, is to work with individuals and families and communities and helping them problem-solve and to find solutions to the challenges that they face in their their life. And that's the beauty of extension. It's the beauty of the land-grant mission. So my my master's degree just helped me continue that pursuit. And did you complete that immediately after your... No, no, I did not. No, I, I probably pursued my master's about halfway into my career, whereas it stands today. It just, it took a while. I think, you know, it takes a while or it took me a while to determined that that was an aspiration that I was going to have and that I'd be able to pursue. And, and of course, at that point in my life, I was balancing that with demands of my career and family demands at home as well. So it wasn't necessarily the easiest road, but it's one that I'm glad that I, that I took. So did you have a big transition after you got your master's degree? Over the course of my career, I've had several transitions. And I would say that I had already taken one very significant transition prior to the master's degree. And I've taken several since the master's degree. So did you see that as a stepping stone that would no. that would then build? No. I really never pursued the master's in my own mind's eye as a way to, to step stone up the career ladder. I, I viewed it more as an opportunity for me to strengthen my skill set to do what I was currently doing better. And of course, the master's has proven to be significant in several different ways for me as I have been provided additional opportunities to take my career down some different paths. It was always about a personal uh, ability for me to learn the next set of skills that I wanted to have in order to do my job at that time better. And looking back, can you describe a decision that you made other than maybe decide to get to get your master's degree, um, or a situation that arose, or a person that really was one of the biggest transitions. You talk about making a few of them over the course of your career. I think major transitions for people come because of two things. They come because of your ability as an individual to demonstrate a skill set that others find of value or of, of a fit for a particular challenge that arises within the organization or within the field. I think those particular skill sets are fostered because of an individual desire to build those skills, but sometimes they're also created because you've had a mentor along the way that has helped you kind of click where your natural affinity or your natural skills tend to be, and so that person probably helps you uncover them or helps you have kind of that personal aha moment about, 
well, this is what I do really well and this is where I need to improve. So for me, that certainly was the case in which I had one particular mentor very early on in my career who was extremely helpful and influential. She really taught me how to be a professional and how to excel in not only the extension environment, but within the mission of the land-grant system. And just learning from someone who's been kind of a rock star and how they accomplish that themselves. So she was a great mentor. She was a great mentor for me as a woman, but also for a leader within the Extension Network. And she she understood how to be successful in our environment, not only within a state system, but also a regional, a multi-state and regional perspective. And that was very helpful very early in my career because then what it taught me also was that ability and the importance of networking and getting to know people who also hold positions similar to what you're currently doing, but also that have taken on leadership roles and you can learn and watch um, how they also function within their position and how they think and how they articulate their ideas and their ability to vision. And this mentor that I had was an incredible visionary. I mean, she really could see things coming on the horizon and how do you position yourself to be on the front end of situations or opportunities and be on the front end of leading change versus responding to change. So I think, you know, that ability to have a mentor, to network early on is extremely important. And while we reinforce that to young people today in the classroom or early in a in an individual's career as they as they come to us as new hires. Uh, within our system as much as we try to mentor or to reinforce the importance of networking. It's something you can't ever stop doing in your career, but I think it's really important that opportunities are provided for both of those things early on in someone's professional life. Did you intentionally seek her out or just the circumstances put you two together on a path? Circumstances put us together, but I did seek her out. So the two things were, it's, it was kind of a mutual, a mutual pursuit. I mean, I sought her out, but circumstances also kind of just aligned that we were able to, outside of the initial engagement as a mentor, that we were able to work together then for several years um, as colleagues and peers. And that mentorship just kind of continued in an informal way versus the formal way that it had originally started out as. I think that's the other word of advice that I have probably for for many young professionals. You should seek out, even if it's an informal mentorship or an informal mentor, seek that out and converse with someone about, would you be willing to mentor me in an informal way or a formal way, depending upon the career environment that you're in and what opportunities are afforded to you. But even after that arrangement perhaps lives its life cycle, you know, mentorships, sometimes organizations will provide a mentorship for a set period of time. After that time period has come and gone, I think there's still that opportunity to continue a mentor-like relationship with those colleagues or peers that we all have in our organization in which we admire how they do their work and what can I learn. And so watching from afar is a, is a good thing and taking notes and lessons, but I think also approaching them about the opportunity to just have conversations sometimes over a cup of coffee about, you know, what do you think about this? How do you do this? How would you approach this situation? 
is, a, is an opportunity for all of us throughout our professional life to continue to learn from those that go before us about what they've learned and how they've done what they've done and why they've done what they've done based upon the experiences that they've had. And that informal mentorship can be just as significant as a formal formalized relationship. And, and I was lucky enough to have that with her for several years as a peer. I don't think we should ever stop seeking out those opportunities, whether we are brand new within an organization or whether we've been with them for 30 years. I completely agree. <laughs> That's wonderful advice. So I take it you have also been a mentor to other people coming up in their careers. I have. You want to maybe talk about what possibly you even learned from them or, or some advice on being a mentor? I think mentorship does go both ways. I may be a mentor to someone else, but I can learn just as much from them as I'm hoping that they're learning from me. And certainly, I'm pretty realistic about the fact that there are pieces of, well, I've been around the block for a while. Uh, you know, I, I've been in, in the extension organization in South Dakota for a while. And there are a lot of really brilliant minds that we've brought into the organization that it's just fun to watch how they approach challenges and opportunities with a very different lens than what I've done in my professional career or just how I even approach it now. Because we're individuals, we look at the world differently. That's, that's what makes an organization great. But I think there's always an opportunity to learn. When we hire young staff today, they have a different skill set regarding technology and problem solving, and we can learn from each other. They have some really great ideas and suggestions and can teach me a few skills that, you know, I, I've never had the opportunity to learn. But likewise, I, I have a few that I can teach them. As well. Many of them have taught me lots about technology because I'm not a natural. We're not natives. We're not Carly. natives we like they that. are. <laughs> they've, they've learned it since they were two years old, and I've had to self-teach myself as a, as a professional. So, um, you know, there's lots of things that I think we can learn from each other. I, as a mentor myself, I like to reinforce to, to individuals about patience and perseverance. There's, a, there's, a, there's two sides to every situation. So I think perhaps my strength uh, is helping professionals think about leadership from an administrative standpoint, um, looking at all sides of the story before making some decisions, data, the importance of data, analyzing that data, and yet most importantly on anything, it's the building of relationships and collaborations. For us to be successful in our positions, it's the preservation of building that relationship that's important. And yet, while words matter, actions also matter. So you know, how do you blend the two in a world in which um, often we're pushed or taxed to produce and produce quickly? Good to be reminded of some of those fundamental soft skills that you use your whole career long. So another, I'm going to ask you another looking back question. What do you think was most important in your development over time? either a personal characteristic you have or the influence of people over time, or if you were to look back to one thing that you could hang that on. If I had to highlight a significant accomplishment in my career that I think's had the most influence on me, I think that I'm naturally, when I look at my desire to go into home economics, uh, it, it's always been about trying to help to interact with people, um, the family, in helping the family become a better unit. And of course, um, one core component of my disciplinary training has been to look at 
all situations from a systems approach. That systems approach has, over the course of my career, helped me not only in my personal and professional development, but it really has been how I've always looked at problems and problem solving, is from a systems approach. Uh, probably about 12 years ago, when, when I had the opportunity to engage in the Horizons Project, which looked at small rural communities in South Dakota and, and building their capacity and their vitality. That really became kind of a core component of how we built a team that dealt with that project and how we actually executed that project. And a core construct of that, of course, we discovered quite quickly was the ability to, to develop leadership. And, and that's been really an underlying passion for me has been leadership development, not only for myself, but as kind of a disciplinary context of which I tried to, to do my job and to try, tried to pursue. So I think it goes back to one core component of my initial degree, my initial disciplinary training, that's really been beneficial for me professionally, but it's also been kind of the context of how I've looked at everything I've tried to do within my career. And I got to put it to work in a really important way in that project, and that project has and will continue to be one of the highlights of my career. It was just an incredible 12-year experience. It still somewhat goes on today, though I'm not as involved in it. I'm not involved in its implementation any longer, but it was just really kind of a key pivotal. Sounds like what you learned from that, though, you've carried your whole I have. career. Yeah, I have. In terms of that leadership and, and others benefiting yeah. from it, too, through the mentorship. Yeah. Everything's always interconnected. I truly believe that. If you have the ability to continue to build off of those kind of um, light bulb moments across your career, then at the end of it, I think you will have found a path well traveled. Well said. <laughs> so you have achieved a lot in your career. You're in a place now where you've got to feel really good about about where you're at and what you've achieved, especially with this most recent interim position promotion. Can you kind of describe how that feels to be where you're at now? Probably still a little bit in disbelief. To be honest, I've never aspired for any of the places that I've landed in my career in the last 17 years. Someone asked me about 20 years ago you know, where I wanted to be in five years. And at that point in time, I really enjoyed um, curriculum and leadership development. And, and so I really saw myself continuing to do what I was doing, but being more of a developmental type of taking a developmental focus to that work, helping people, but just loved being able to develop things that could help in teaching or problem solving, decision making, et cetera. So I suppose that's really not any different from, I mean, it's, I haven't veered probably off that course very much. It's just taken a very different route um, <clears throat> and probably not where I'd inspired it to be. But I had opportunities come to me in which people thought I had a skill set that could help address that particular opportunity at the time. And I was committed enough to the organization that I felt like, well, if that's where they needed my skills to be, I'd, I'd step forth and contribute. And then when it was time for that to be done, I'd go back to this other path I had been on. And it just seems like they never let <laughs> the, you back on that path. <laughs> they never let me back on the path, and and so I've just really tried to do the best job that I could with what I'd been asked to do. So I haven't ever really aspired or sought out the opportunities. I guess the opportunities probably more came along my 
along my way one way or another. So I'm kind of still amazed that here's where I've landed because it wasn't where I was aspiring to go necessarily. It's always a little hard for us to grasp what people see in us. Yeah, it sounds it, like. I think it is. You know, you kind of have a pretty good idea of where you sit. And I've always felt like I knew myself pretty well as far as where my strengths were and, and where I didn't necessarily have some strengths that I, I needed to build upon when I found the time to take care of it. It's probably a little bit of a surprise to feel like people recognize that ability. I'm honored. I'm very honored, very honored, very humbled by this opportunity. I just want to do the best possible job that I can, and that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do the best job that I can, and, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Because that's really, that's all I've ever wanted to do, is to do the job that I've been asked to do. Because somebody saw a skill set there that they needed to have at that point in time. So I'll share that skill. And, and then I'll move on to the next opportunity so that I can share that skill at that point in time as well. I think I'm making a good choice. <laughs> Is there a phase in your career when you've really felt most supported by the people around you? Each um, opportunity, each phase of my career has been very different from the last. And there's always been a core group of people who've been there to support me. Certainly, first and foremost, my family's been incredibly flexible, especially my husband has been especially uh, flexible. And his position, his career, we've had two careers that have been a nice dovetail of support for one another, luckily. So we were able to work that, and the, and the kids have been great. They've been flexible. They've grown up to be incredible young adults. But there's always been a core group of people in my work life, my work family, that have also been there to be supportive and have understood um, the challenges uh, that that we have faced not only as a team, but also as an organization and have risen to the core. And I think the more that you empower people to do the job that you've asked them to do and they feel empowered, then they too will reciprocate back. I've always tried to be kind of have an open door policy. I've always tried to be someone that's not tried to micromanage other people. I mean, you've got to, you've got to guide and you've got to manage, but I've tried not to necessarily micromanage. And so as, as a result, I think that I've been supported kind of in a similar way. If people feel like they're a part of the team, then likewise, that teamwork goes both ways. So I've never, I've never um, felt that I've never been supported. I certainly have had strong support the last five years in, in my collaboration with Dr. Dunn. He has been, was, is, and will continue to be the best of colleagues and teammates and and partner. I mean, he, we made a great team, and he really paved the way for me to shape my career during this time the way that I needed to and wanted to. He was a great supporter and a great mentor. He is a great. Yeah, he is. He's a great visionary. Great visionary. visionary. Yep. yep. CSU is fortunate to have him at the helm now. It's exciting to so. see Very much so. what he's planning next. If you had to just kind of encapsulate some advice for young women as they're starting out in their careers in agriculture, what would that be? For anyone entering um, a career, whether it be in agriculture or it be in any other field that they're choosing to pursue, but especially for women, I think you have to be able to demonstrate that you can listen and learn, that you can articulate 
your perspectives and your ideas, but that you do it in a way that is respectful of past, present, and future. That you ask questions first, and that you can shape your ideas in such a way and provide your ideas in such a way that lends ideas, lends opportunities for growth, lends an opportunity for the organization to, to benefit. But you have to be willing to do that in the context of building relationships with your colleagues and your peers and your constituents. So I think for, for women, um, but for all young adults entering their career, it is a kind of a fine line to learn at the same time that you're trying to walk into your first job or maybe even your second job, and you're trying to learn not only kind of the lay of the land within the organization, um, but then also how to begin demonstrating that you know, I've just I've got this degree and I've got all this knowledge and I've got all these great ideas. I have to blend demonstrating that leadership and that knowledge with the ability to build relationships with others, to learn and listen and ask questions, and then determine how do I blend or fit in what I know in a respectful way with where it might fit. And, and that's a really, that's a really fine line. I can only speak in extension. We've hired really great people young adults who are coming to us with some experience with no experience and they have great ideas and what I really want for them to do is to be able to take this opportunity and show us what you've got but just listen and learn and ask questions as well and find a way to intersect what you know with that ability to build really great relationships with people. So I think it's, it's that ability to listen, to ask questions, don't be afraid to ask questions. It doesn't demonstrate weakness. It demonstrates a willingness to learn, but also persevere. I think patience and perseverance are other key qualities for young professionals, I think, are really important to demonstrate. That is great advice for any point in your career, Carla. I think that's a good reminder for those of us who've been in the trenches for a while. Be a good listener. Persevere. Yeah, don't give up. We all will encounter till the day that we retire and then actually until the day that we are no longer on this earth, that there are going to be some really good days and there are going to be some not so good days. And just because there's a not so good day doesn't mean that you're not knowledgeable, that you're not valuable, that you're not important, that you're not important. It just means that on this particular day, it was a bit more of a challenge than it was yesterday. <laughs> and, you know, you just have to, you just have to keep trying. But what you might have to stop back and say to yourself is, Okay, so why was this not so successful this time? There's a lesson in here to be learned. And what is that lesson? And, and I think for me, when those things come along my way and it's a, there's a hiccup in the road, I have to take a deep breath and stop long enough and say to myself, okay, there's a lesson to be learned here. I got to just step back and not worry so much about trying to get this checked off the to-do list. And why did we have the hiccup? and what's to be learned and what could we do better. And I think there's nothing wrong with saying how could I do how could I have done this better? To me it shows that it's not a sign of weakness, it's a sign of strength. If I can step back, if if you as an employee can step back and say how could I have done this better? That shows to me integrity and and 
sincere intention to want to do better. And if we could all step back and say, how could I have done this better? What was to be learned here? How could I, this, what could I have done a little bit better here? It's not, to me, not a weakness, but rather a strength that you can say that about an experience or an opportunity or even yourself and learn from it and try to figure out how to make it be a more beneficial experience, not only for you, but for whoever else was involved or the organization. I just think that's probably a really critical thing that I'd like people to take away. So let's zoom forward to today. Within your sphere of influence, mm -hmm. what are you most concerned about these days? For SDSU Extension, um, that's my responsibility now. For us, it's the challenge of continuing to be a relevant resource for families, producers, communities in this state. We have at our fingertips an immense amount of research-based information that can be helpful to families, individuals, producers, communities. So for me, the relevance question is probably always on my radar screen and always on my horizon. So how do we continue to position the organization to be accessible and relevant to them? and getting out on the front end of that constantly, and supporting our employees in helping them be successful, helping them build their careers and their interactions with the people that they serve. It's thinking on a global scale, <laughs> making sure that we're positioning ourselves well with our clientele, but also at the same time supporting our, our staff to help them do what they do best. And the world is changing rapidly. Yes. <laughs> So how do we continue to maintain and execute our land-grant mission in that context? It's what I think about every day. How are we going to continue to do what we do best within that global context of the world's just changing all the time? And I think that is the greatest challenge, is that the world's changing, and we certainly are a part of that. Um, none of us control it. But how do we continue to stand strong in our land-grant mission and still deliver on the accessibility and relevancy question when the world is bombarded by so much stuff <laughs> that they have access to and influences them and their decisions that they make every day. So how do we make sure that we're a part of that influence factor for them? And I think that is the biggest challenge that I'm the most concerned about is how do I continue to help guide this organization as we ensure that we're still a key part of the equation and staying, staying strong in that language. So I know you think a lot about the future and moving extension into the future. If you had the ability to influence one thing, one key thing in that future, then what would that be? The context of, what, of how we work within our land-grant mission is that context of information to people. And we have several different mechanisms by which we deliver upon that. We certainly have people-to-people um, -people contacts, so our staff-to-clientele, staff-to-organizations, that, and we help deliver that information, or we help problem-solve, or we help people position themselves for new technological changes or, or new uh, innovations on the horizon. We also do that through technology, and we do that through our interaction with research. So I think it's that continued in investment. It, it, the core is with people. Being able to continue to prioritize and hire the best people 
who will then commit themselves to the land-grant mission as being a part of our organization. And because of their commitment to the land-grant mission, it's their commitment to the people of South Dakota. For me, it's that continued investment in people. And when you look at what will continue to evolve and make agriculture strong going forward into the future in South Dakota and continue to grow its the driving force that it is in our state. Again, it goes back to people. It doesn't happen without people, whether it's a producer in a field, whether it's someone in a leadership role within a commodity organization. I mean, we all it's all people trying to strive for the same same goal. And I think for us to be successful on the future and on the horizon, it's that continued commitment to hiring the right people. And we have a lot of bright minds coming into a commitment of wanting to be involved in agriculture in some way. So it's being able to recruit them and then invest in them when they're here and help them recognize the desire and the need and the importance of a South Dakota future in agriculture and the benefit from that. That it's more than just a job. It's a life calling. For those of us that invest in a and a career with extension. And there are many that stay with us for a long period of time. It's about that land grant mission. I think being able to seize upon that desire we all have to be a part of agriculture, that land grant mission, and the importance of agriculture in South Dakota and the benefits that it has for our communities and our families. And there's just there's just that calling for it. So investing in our people and hiring the right people to help continue that into the future is really important. Last question for you. When you've finally stepped aside from your career, and I'm not sure if either one of us are ever going to step aside from our careers, right, because they're, it's amazing to be associated with agriculture, of course, and as you said, it is a lifetime calling. I think that we all feel in our own ways. What's one, what is one thing that you hope you will be remembered for? Well, I've always had kind of a personal mission statement. I always have felt that if at the end of my career I had, for the most part, <laughs> conducted myself uh, along that mission statement most days, that I will have accomplished what I wanted to accomplish when it was all said and done. And so um, my mission statement, my personal mission statement, ha has just guided me to conduct myself in my career with a sense of honesty and integrity and compassion. And and sometimes, depending upon the role that you hold, it may not always seem that <laughs> you're the most compassionate or honest or are demonstrating someone's perception of integrity. But I think at the end of the day, at the end of my career, if I can walk out the door and I have felt that on most days I conducted myself in an honest way, with utmost integrity and humility, and that I had compassion and empathy for people or situations, then I did my job well. So that's what I would hope to be remembered for. Over the course of your lifetime, whether it be in your professional career or whether it be even in your personal life, there will come to you doors of opportunity. You'll have decisions and and doors that you can either walk through or not walk through. And as those situations arise in life, two things I challenge you to think about. Number one, what happens if you walk through the door 
and what happens if you don't walk through the door. There are consequences to every decision. If you're challenged with a, you know, do I do this or do I not do this kind of situation? Do I take this job opportunity? Do I not take this job opportunity? Do we do this personal life decision or not do this personal life decision? You know, what are the pros and cons of walking through that door? But what happens if you don't walk through the door? And I think if you look at those kinds of situations in that context, it will really help you sift out a decision that's right for you. But don't also forget what your gut tells you to do. Because oftentimes your gut instinct is a lot smarter than the head or quite frankly the heart. Your gut will often tell you, this is the right thing to do, this is not the right thing to do. And I think sometimes we don't listen to it very well. I think in that context, that approach has helped me many a times make a decision that, quite frankly, later on in life, even while at the time it might have been difficult, after I've gotten through a situation, I've said, you know, as tough as that was or wasn't, it turned out for the best because I finally learned to listen to myself a little bit and to ask myself some tough questions. So hopefully that thought process can be helpful to someone else. I like your theme on listening, so listening not only to others, but being a good listener too. To yourself. To yourself. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Spark for today. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in for the next episode. To learn more about Paulson, please visit paulson.ag. That's P-A-U-L-S-E-N dot A-G.